Corman's answer to George Lucas. Tonight, it's Battle Beyond the Stars on Cinema de Fromage. Ruthless invaders, a defenseless planet. Battle Beyond the Stars. A lone youth escapes on a last-ditch mission that begins at the edge of the universe. story of a boy who finds more than he expected. <laughs> and all he can handle. Does your species have kissing? Oh, yes. We have that. Try one. That's a hot dog. It comes from Earth. Do you like it? There's no dog in this. Mm -mm. Soybean meal? Niacin, dextrose, and sodium nitrate flavoring. That's what we call meat back home. Battle Beyond the Stars. Starring Richard Thomas, George Papard, Robert Vaughn, John Saxon, <laughs> A battle beyond time, beyond space. Nice and fire! That ends in a desperate gamble. They'll be able to board us. It won't make any difference. Get that hatch open! <laughs> battle beyond the stars. Welcome to another episode of Cinema de Fromage, and here's our final movie for this uh, this round. Um, this is Roger Corman's Battle Beyond the Stars, a movie that sounds more exciting than it actually looks, um, just by the trailer, because that sounded like a thrilling movie, and I'd go watch that. Uh, unfortunately, I saw what you know actually was uh, actually in the theaters at the time, and it's nothing like that. But... I digress. We can tear this part, this movie apart a little bit later as I want to introduce everybody. Our panel tonight, of course, we have uh, the lovely Kente. How are you doing tonight, Kente? I'm doing good. The vivacious Kente. I, I'm I doing good, but I don't know if I want to be interconnected to six other people. That wouldn't be cool. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite character, by the way. <laughs> I would, I want, I would love to be that. Also with us tonight, of course, uh, our other stalwart and lovely, vivacious host, uh, it's Jen. How you doing, Jen? Hey, I'm doing great. Super excited to talk about this movie, actually. I, I had forgotten how truly funny it is. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I almost believe you. I, I don't know. I'm going to think, I like, to me, this is the opposite of last night's film. 
because last night's film was something that we said it was it's not star wars it wasn't meant to be star wars this one mm, not so much but anyways i i once again i'm babbling on again because i forgot to introduce our special guest tonight uh all the way from my past and uh your future i guess it's ken how you doing tonight ken howdy howdy doing well excited to be here Yes. And Ken comes to us direct through the ancient technology of landline. Uh, so, um, so Ken, um, you know, I'm going to start off, Ken. Um, this is Battle Beyond the Stars. Uh, did you see this when it first came out, or is this something you caught on, on uh, home video after the fact, or television, whatever? I probably probably caught it. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it uh, probably on, you know, HBO or Showtime or something like that. Okay, because I mean, I I was watching movies at the time, and I never saw this in the theater either. This is something that I caught on TV as well, and was at the first time seeing. I'm going, this looks familiar, but it's not. And once again, my disappointment that it it wasn't Star Wars on TV, but it did go to the television before Star Wars did. Um, Jen, seeing as you you sound like you enjoy this film, why don't you give us a little synopsis of our. Uh, our film tonight you know i um i am actually um i'm gonna pass this over to kinte to do and there's a there's a reason behind this which i will gladly share with you a little bit later in the okay all right that's fair all right kinte it's you got thrown the hot potato um run with it i'm gonna give you the the reader's digest Seven space warriors do battle to save peaceful planet from ruthless conqueror who promised to give his laser toting mutant followers uh, eternal life by uh, grafting victims, organs and limbs onto their aged bodies released in November 13th, 1980 in West Germany first Uh, uh, (laughs) directors uh, director is uh, Jimmy uh, T. uh, Markinami. And it also lists as Roger Corman, but I, I thought he was just a producer. Uh, it was um, made for a budget of $2 million. Box office is 7.5. So that's a nice little, uh, you know, light, nice little cut. Mm-hmm. And the music is by James Horner. Oh, and yes. another factoid about it is the models were created by the one and only James Cameron. Yes. As James Cameron was a stalwart uh, uh, worker with uh, Roger Corman. Also, uh, rumor has it, and I don't know if this is verified, that uh, Bill Paxton was a carpenter on the sets uh, for this movie as well. Oh. Wow. So, yes. So, there you go. Um, okay. My, I would have had a slightly different thing. I would have just said, um, you know, cheap rip-off Star Wars meets cheap rip-off Seven Samurai slash uh, Magnificent Seven. Aww. In space. <laughs> that is so depressing. Okay. But, but you well, know what, It gets though? more depressing on my description because I also would also say uh, space racists uh, ask for defensive and allow people to uh, from outside to only hang around them just to save their, their nasty asses. Because <laughs> This is so the terrible. People, because the people of Akira, I was watching this movie and all I thought through my mind is, geez, that's a very monogamous planet, and they're very isolationist, and the way they react to all these aliens makes me suddenly think, these guys are space, 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 racist, 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 <laughs> and that's what they are. 
And if you think about it, they were all relieved that, spoiler alert, sorry, all of the new people from outside didn't have to live with them in the end. They all died, so it was okay. They got to keep their <laughs> their purity of uh, race on that uh, horrible planet. Oof. Who did not want to have be violated by mutants or touched or anything by anything outside. I, I, I honestly do not know what it says about me that I really liked this movie but, but <laughs> i'm just on, giving an alternate i'm giving it an alternate interpretation well based on your version of the story i'm actually considering maybe getting some therapy now because i'm not really sure where my head is at no 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 and as with any interpretations i could be wrong i think i think she just liked the boob ship that's all <laughs> the boob ship, yes. or the ovary ship actually <laughs> Isn't that what John Boy was uh, flying around in? Was it an ovary ship? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a large ovary. Yeah. <laughs> what was James Cameron thinking of when he was building these models, eh? He's like, nobody will catch on to my little joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing because it's definitely, um, this film is definitely trying to be Star Wars, definitely trying to cash in on the Star Wars thing. If you look at the posters and everything for it, they're really playing up on the whole thing. Um, much like uh, another film that came out around just the year before, Battlestar Galactica, another China, you know, cash in on the Star Wars thing. Um, the funny thing is some of the laser sounds are from Battlestar Galactica. There's some very interesting sounds throughout sounds throughout this movie that are like, oh, okay, interesting. Where did that come from? It's like slammed together. Um, it, it's not a bad concept, the whole idea of like Magnificent Seven in space. I kind of like that. But um, like right, what, what's the opening shot you see in this film is a large giant spaceship taking up the entire screen. Uh, and what's the threat? Oh, it has a, a death ray, which instead of blowing up your planet, turns it into a sun. Um, <laughs> you know, what do the heroes have to do? Fly their ships in and blow it up. It's like, okay, this is not, uh, any, I mean, the only thing odd about it is that because it's trying to be the Magnificent Seven, the bad guys come in, they threaten the planet, and then they leave. <laughs> instead of like, hey, we're going to take over the planet. Hold on. We're multitasking here. We've got another planet we just threatened about five minutes, you know, Five days yeah, ago, we'll we got to go week. back. Don't <laughs> hire anybody to attack you us. Do, These you guys do like... realize that this is basically the premise of the Disney Pixar later uh, film called A Bug's Life. Oh, yes. yeah, I didn't know which that. Which also stole from Akira. And uh, other people are called the Akira, <laughs> which, you know, is... Mifune Akira. Yeah. Yeah. Which, oh, oh, who's that? Who's that they're talking about? Oh, oh yeah, the Akira, Osama, the, the maker of the uh, Seven Samurai. So you know, you know what? Though, nod to him. You know what, Ken? Uh, I'm shocked though that the uh, the uh, Scotch and soda uh, belt didn't catch on after this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was you know that was genius. Oh, yeah. It, it, it did kind of look like he was, was peeing. Uh, George, though. Unfortunately, it was George Papard <laughs> yes. with it. So you know, kind of laid back and went all full tilt with it. It, it did kind of I mean, look like he was being the though. Harrison Ford character, but uh, you know, yeah. he all I saw him do was sit back. His ship didn't fire. He didn't do anything. Oh, he 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 led them into a futile uh, fight and sacrificed the lives of two lovable little aliens who speak in heat. And he shot uh, first. Yeah, and that's that's about it. He shot first too. 
he did did he shoot first well okay. I mean, he is he is like in a, if, like, if you count uh pouring in in his glass and drinking <laughs> oh <laughs> my mistake i'm thinking with a weapon but yeah you're right he did have the first shot in this movie <laughs> george you know what george prepared though looks like if i'm gonna be here doing this movie i'm gonna have me a good time <laughs> Unlike that is, Mr. Robert, that is what Bob, it looks who like. basically sat through the whole movie, <laughs> and that was it. And then he laid down at one point. I, but I, all of his scenes, he was either sitting or lying down. I think uh, Richard Thomas gets the Timothy Dalton uh, <laughs> award for uh, being in like a silly movie, but you know, being as deadpan and straight as possible. Well, you know, I. I, I I saw him doing a lot of the golly gee whiz kind of thing. He was uh-huh. trying to play that kind of young. I mean, he, I guess he was trying to play John Boy in space. <laughs> so, and it worked. I, he was definitely John Boy in space. Um, I, I he was likable. I have to admit that. I mean, it wasn't like I was going, oh god. I mean, he wasn't whiny. Yeah, like he was likable in a bland way. Yes, right. yes, bland. He was, was likable, but very bland. Yes. Oh, definitely bland. What, but, but I mean, we're talking, on, you know, a low rate film. Honestly, though, you know, I mean, you go to the to the first planet he goes to, and this guy's uh, this uh, woman's da- uh, dad says, "You must impregnate my daughter." From well, the hold on. <laughs> but for the audience who haven't seen this film, explain describe this woman's dad. He is because this movie is bonkers. It yeah, is definitely bonkers. he's a, a part android, part human. Part what a uh, crazy person. He's a head on an egg, for right? <laughs> and he's, he's a like, head on a box. He's a, like a head in a box almost. He's a <laughs> yeah. head on top of some stuff. He's like, and I want you to make and it. My played, and and it's played by Sam Jaffe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, of all people, right? You know, I was I was horrified to see it with Sam Jaffe because. You know, I figured he looked like he was 100 years old in, like, 1963 when he was in Ben Casey, (laughs) Dr. Zorba. And I figured, well, shit, by, you know, 1980, the guy's got to be dead. But no. (laughs) And it wasn't even his last role. (laughs) (laughs) He had to go a little bit lower to get that next to last. What? what, what, Hold on. Right, exactly. What was his last role? Now I, I... I'm, I gotta check this out here. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm, but I'm still I went like the wrong way. I'm still like how uh, do he you, wasn't the love boat, by the way. How do you meet right. a How do you meet a guy and tell him straight up, "I need you to impregnate my daughter." Like I don't even know you. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm hooked into this entire like... ship. I see all, I know all, and I want but... you to bang my daughter. That just sounds like that. Yeah, well, honestly, when, that when just sounds head. like. <laughs> When you're ahead, you can do that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a lot of male writers got together and said, well, what would be the, 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 the ultimate fantasy that we can put this young man through? And that's what they came up with. Yeah, except for they use the Star Wars line, which our Star Trek line, which you hear in the trailer. Do you know of kissing? It's like. Are you kidding me? Is this we come to an alien and it's like, what is this kissing thing? This is what humans do. We press our <laughs> lips and and this is how love is. And it's like, what? What is this? Oh my gosh. But um here's the thing that bothers me about that first scene. So our hero, 
you know, is going off to find, you know, people to help defend his planets. He comes onto a space station, which is filled with what? Androids. Yes. An entire army of androids who obviously, and you can see in one scene, have no qualms of having themselves sacrificed for the good of human beings. And will do, you know, the most obvious, this is going to kill me. No, go do it. Okay. Why do you not round up an army of androids to help fight? Can I be honest, though? Those androids didn't look very spry. I don't think hey, they one would... of them did the robot no. really well. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the first instance of seeing the robot on film. <laughs> no, these these were like comedy relief androids. Yeah, they weren't like the kind of like you know yeah here's a gun and you know how they weren't like Terminators. No, I'm not talking about Terminators. They, like... they would have made they would have made great shields. You just walk behind them like, <laughs> and they would take the shots. Yeah, okay, and well, they, you I... shoot from behind them. I think they were supposed to sort of be like the stormtroopers, you know, but they just seriously failed. Well, no, we're talking about the androids on the uh, space station. No, I know. I just mean from a from oh. a story standpoint, there were just supposed to be like many of them, and oh. you know, with the, but they were so nebulous. Also, mm-hmm. I yeah, it just felt very strange. So, okay, so we've got he's picked up a girl. His love he's interest. He's picked up a girl. I look. I that's love all that he does already. That all he's done is he's picked up a girl. So his first stop, he goes and he picks up a girl. It's like and he, he doesn't even drive through. Wait a minute. Let Flash Gordon in this movie. He the, the 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 girl sees him the first time and instantly falls for him. Yeah, well, in in this movie, it makes more sense because the only other people she's seen are androids and her her head dad. Um, so I can I get that. It's like, oh my gosh, so that's what a real man looks like, and he doesn't squeak and make robot sounds when he walks around and, and move around like a, he moves like a real person. Okay, you know what? <laughs> this is the best I'm going to do. Sure, it's John Boy Walton, but what else have I got? So I can see that in this movie. I, 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 no problem. She, she was right to go after him. Uh, what was her name again? Nanella or something like that? I think was the character's name. Anyway, so, yeah, he picks up the girl. He flies around. She, he says, oh, okay, you go off to some other place, find some other people. Uh, okay. He trusts her to do that. She's never been outside of the ship, and now she's flying around in the middle of this great, horrible universe out there with all these weirdos, and he's going to trust her to go find help. He's a very trusting, trusting man. Mm-hmm. Keep uh, going. So, oh, I think we can. Are you still there? No, just keep going. Okay, uh, and so the next thing that happens is he goes and finds Space Cowboy, and he has. And the, here's the interesting thing: so this is he comes from a pacifist planet. This is why these guys, uh, you go get help. We're not going to do anything. We we are just, you know, farmers or whatever they are, uh, and our whole life is not about killing. And there's only one person who's ever been a warrior, and it's uh, a guy named Zed, who's blind, and gives up his ship. Who's was the ship's name? Nell, right? If I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, I think it yeah. was Nell. Yeah. Nell, who probably has the greatest character in the whole movie, and the most the most breadth of character in the whole movie. It's Kit in outer space. It is, but she's she's got <laughs> sass. And that, Welcome that to Blog works. Talk Radio. Please enter your host pin. When finished, press the pound key. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. 
I, I did tell you the last week that I was going to bring my multiple personalities to the show, so... The, I'm sorry, yep. but I did not hear you press at least four digits of your PIN number. <laughs> what the my, heck was that? That's, uh, that's Nell. That's Nell. Oh oh, hello, Nell. Actually, Nell had a lot more personality. She was kind of like... Um, I'm sorry, but I did not hear you press at least four digits of your PIN okay, number. Okay, Nell, sorry about that. Oh my gosh, it's going off the rails. Anyways, so... He finds Cowboy. He actually shoots people. But I, I, the kind of thing I liked about it was like, oh, I don't want to Thank shoot them. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. And don't he doesn't want to shoot them as they're retreating. And every other hero has no problem with shooting, you know, the bad guys in the back. So I'll, I'll give, you know. Oh, by the way, our hero's name is Shad. Which, through the whole movie, all I'm hearing is Shat. Yeah. So. So yes, Shat works. Um, refuses to shoot the the bad guys in the back, and Nell decides to you know do it anyway and blows up the bad guys. They save Cowboy, and he's in a like he was ready to die because he's that laid back. He's being attacked. And he's like, oh well, gonna die. Can I drink? And he just kicks his heels up and is listening to country music. And his name is Cowboy, and he acts like any kind of you know city slicker trying to be a cowboy. You know, he's a fake drawl, and he's laid back, and he wears a cowboy hat, and he looks goofy, and he does nothing. Except for say, hey, thanks for saving me. I guess I'll join you. What is he going to do? I don't know. His ship doesn't do anything. How was this guy supposed to save the planet? Don't know, but he's part of the crew. <clears throat> I mean, what was... Uh, I, I, don't, I guess Shad doesn't know what's going on. Well, I, okay, wait. I, I have a different, I have a sort of different interpretation. Okay, okay. please. Because so, I, I, I'm, I'm lost on that one. I, and, 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 you know, and maybe this is just, maybe this is just me sort of, you know, after seeing a billion westerns and stuff, maybe I just read between the lines. But it seemed to me that what was happening was, it, it's, it's like the assembling of sort of any kind of posse or, yeah. you know, your crew and it doesn't always kind of pan out with you get the best of the best of the best, sir, with honors. I mean, it's not like that, right? Yeah, it, well, yeah, but it's not like that for the entire film. I, I agree. None it, of these, aside from uh, Robert Vaughn replaying his character from The Magnificent Seven, like note for note, none of these guys are the tops of anything. They're all awful. Yes, and and, and that's sort of in, a, in an odd really strange complicated way it is that is one of the reasons that i feel like this movie works despite itself because <laughs> none of the people are the best and yet stuff or useful happens yes or useful exactly but st but amazingly stuff still happens things still uh, there there is still all of this all of these crazy sort of character arcs in a mild way but these <laughs> things still there, there are things to overcome, and they still overcome them. It, it is, it, it, it is almost as if the movie set out to tell one story, and they really failed quite spectacularly to tell that story. <laughs> they managed to tell a completely different story, and it was pretty good. <laughs> so misfits managed to somehow win the day. Exactly. Yes. Despite exactly. themselves. Yes. 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 The island uh, of fit toys in space. 
<laughs> well, that's not a bad interpretation. I think, okay, uh, if it's that way, then it's okay. But yeah, these people have no skills whatsoever. No. I mean, Cowboy is a space freighter captain. Can, apparently, that's it. he can kiss, I heard. That's about it. He can what? He can kiss, apparently. Oh, we don't, we don't see him do that in this film. Uh, but he says. I'm just saying. He just he says. Yeah. yeah, he also says that all that stuff was meat in that hot dog, and we know it. <laughs> so, I, I take everything that cow. I mean, I can't believe that's his name. The character's name is actually Cowboy. He's called Cowboy. I'm not saying this is oh, that's a goofy <laughs> nickname from. No, the character's name, his credit, and everything is Cowboy. Cowboy who, who keeps telling us he's from Earth. It's like wow, how fall how far has Earth fallen? I mean, if that is the best we can put out there in space. Uh, pretty far, yeah. Now, the next character he comes across, if I remember correctly, is Gelt, the um, mercenary. Which is an interesting one. He's uh, basically... I, I, the, he's the one guy who I thought had an interesting story. Where he's got all of this wealth and everything. He's on this planet that used to be this haven for all these criminal types. And they were all killed off. He's the only one there in this you know, lost world and everything where apparently they still let the hookers just rot behind the walls because there's a scene where he, he presses a button looking at, you know, you can get a date and opens up and there's this old woman sitting there. It's like, wow. So she just sat there this entire time hoping somebody was going to press the button. <laughs> what a sad, sad existence. She had. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm just going to wait. Oh, thank goodness. Now I could fulfill my purpose of making money off of sex with, Strangers. That's actually kind wanna, of scary. Wanna, wanna have some? Oh, oh no. John Boyce is like, no, no, no. Closes the door on her. And then she's like, oh, I, uh, all I can picture is this poor old woman sitting there. Oh. You know, that little defeatist look on her face. And she realizes, oh, now I'm going to sit here for another hundred years waiting for the next sucker. <laughs> anyway, so Gelt is sitting here. All right. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Here we are back again. Uh, we were just discussing, oh, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Battle Beyond the Stars. Um, so we were just talking about how uh, our friend Robert Vaughn is basically decides that he does not want to actually move at all during this entire uh, movie and spends most of his time either sitting or lying down. Anyways. Uh, our, <laughs> yeah, I think, next... I think he does stand in one scene. Oh, does he? In okay. the, when he yeah, when he's, when he's on the planet. Oh yes, he's yeah. He's, he's standing. He's, he's he doesn't stands walk. there. That's true. He doesn't walk. <laughs> and, <laughs> he doesn't and walk. There's the one scene of him standing. At one point, he's sitting, and then of course you've got him stretched out, all burned and stuff. Yes, and when he's in his ship, he's practically lying down too. Well, yeah. And, and how but riveting are those scenes? Eh? <laughs> oh, oh, they are excellent with his eyes. His eyes just move back and forth. It's uh, it's the most amazing acting I've ever seen. Oh, he's so Zap Brannigan. Awesome. <laughs> but, but you got to understand, how many days do you think Robert Vaughn actually put in on this movie? Um, from the looks of it, two, maybe three tops. I'm guessing two. I'm guessing yeah. two. I think one day to shoot all of his in-the-pod shots. Yes. And one day to shoot his three on-the-planet scenes. Maybe... And, and no, they probably did scene. like his his standing and his sitting scenes, and then after lunch they made him up burned and put him on the ground. So yeah, he did maybe two days. 
Yeah, but the, the crew actually had to, you know, put in the harnesses and everything to get him into standing position. <laughs> yeah. Which they blue screened out because there's optical effects back then. Yeah, it's like er early wire work. Yeah. I, I, I'm imagining got him some standing, kind but of he's like, kind of twisting to the left. Hold on, hold hold him straight. I, I'm, I'm imagining a little bit of a taser thing going on. No, this way, this way. <laughs> Uh, but it, you know, it, and that's the thing. Uh, you you know, they 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 paid a lot of money for him, probably at that time. Right for him and Papard. Yes, they paid, you know, the uh, a big chunk of the budget, such as it was. Yes. So you know, they brought him in for a few days, and then you know, send him on their way. And Papard though got to have Let's a bunch leave of it to John Boy. Yeah, but Papard had a lot of scenes where he was doing, you know, um, quite a bit of work with extras and everything and some stunt stuff. So they would have had him in there for a bit longer. So I don't know. That probably would have cost him. Yeah, maybe Papard was there for a week. Yeah. But, um, but Robert Vaughn, two days max. Yeah, if that. And he was basically, they, they said, if hey, we're doing Magnificent Seven. He said, okay, so I'm just doing that character I did in Magnificent Seven? The same character, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm playing it exactly the same, and that's it. I'm, I'm not putting any other effort in. I'm just redoing my scenes. Like I've, I've even space. I've even got my my I've even got my costume from the movie. I'll just wear that. Okay, exactly. Yeah, fine, that's good, Bob. <laughs> it's 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 kind of like Yul Brenner in Westworld. That's good, Bob. Kind of you would save us a little money. Good job. <laughs> I'm glad you brought your own costume and makeup too. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> he, I'm gonna apply the burn makeup. It's just okay. I I had some. Although beefaroni for lunch so i'm just gonna put this right here yeah. on the side of the face there although, we go. although although you know what i'll be honest i'll be honest uh, for for whatever reason i saw that character in you know kind of like the i, I know this isn't what happened remember what i said before <laughs> about how they started out to make one movie and then they made a different movie and yeah okay yeah. it kind of worked but that i see his character as being what in storytelling you call the threshold guardian and the Threshold Guardian basically is just the character that stands in front of everything and says, wait a minute, think about it. Hold on. Oh, wait, 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 where you go? And it's not like he tries to do it, but just by virtue of him kind of never doing anything, it's like... <laughs> by that, it, by that like rationale, stands... George Bupard, every other character is a Threshold character yeah. in this movie. <laughs> right, they are, the whole cast. Every everybody, even the villains, are all threshold characters <laughs> because they try to prevent as much of the action from happening. I think the only characters that have any action are the two doofus mutants, and even then, you know what's so funny about Battle Beyond the Stars is I can clearly see, and th this is just a hindsight retrospect, but I can clearly see James Cameron working out Avatar. I can clearly see. Well, I'm going to take another movie and just. Put it in space. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Exactly. Yes. I'm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it's okay to just sort of, you know, come up with whatever I can think of and just put it in space, and people will love it because I'm going to make really interesting special effects. I mean, for the time they were, you know, they yeah. were kind of cool. But, uh, but the, but the, this idea of well, special effects can make the movie, and then if we just put it in space, it'll be an instant bestseller. That I can see those seeds being planted right there. Yeah, I think like James Cameron was basically had two things. Like, I want to do a remake of the Magnificent Seven, but I also want to do a Star Wars ripoff. <gasps> if I put them together, oh, it's gold. Two great films together. How could I be go wrong? All right, let's start casting. Oh, oh, okay. Let's put this plot. Oh, oh, okay. There's where he went wrong. 
See, what I don't understand is how James Cameron did this movie, but then also did Aliens. I don't... Well, now, now I, hold, hold on. James Cameron only did the special, special effects, effects models, okay? Yeah, yeah. But he didn't right, actually yeah, he have anything to do with... Yeah, he I, was just a model guy. I, I hear you. I hear you. But, so, but he but did still, Piranha what, Part 2, though. I don't though. understand. <laughs> he did do Piranha Part 2. What I don't understand is this movie was written by John Sayles. John Sayles <laughs> did the screenplay... John Sayles did the story. Okay, John Sayles, brother from another planet, made <laughs> one, an amazing director. Yeah. What was he thinking? Uh, I got to do a cheap ripoff of Star Wars. I got to do a cheap ripoff of Star Wars for Roger Corman. Yeah, Remember though, three days to put the script together. John okay. Sayles is the guy that wrote the famous Jurassic Park 4 screenplay that never got made with the no yeah that was john sales with oh, the dinosaur wow. human hybrids and the and the the it was going to take jurassic park in a very weird <laughs> oh uh, my god yeah. that's crazy so so now it's sort of coming to light <laughs> suddenly this movie makes more sense now yeah oh that that is that they is had really a guy telling. he had a character called raptor man in that movie <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say it because Beneath the Planet of the Apes tried to flirt with the same idea of a human-ape hybrid and every time you do that, you kind of go oh, we're kind of getting to the kind of weird I know in this case, of that would be like you know genetics, but it's this sort of weird bestiality kind of thing going on you gotta, oh, I don't think the audiences will appreciate that in the end this is what the producers say oh, whereas, clearly, you know, all clearly. the degenerates out there watching will be like, I got no problem with this yeah, because obviously none of you watch Splice. <laughs> so, <laughs> there is clearly a market for this out there. But okay, I digress. Okay, so we we've just we've gone through guilt. Now we have uh, our next alien um, guest star is um, what the heck is its name? It's this lizard man, and I cannot remember what they called it because it was one of those characters that you know would have a. Sounds like it's got a great backstory. Uh, I think I've seen it in Conan and a whole bunch of other movies. The guy who's entire Cayman. race. Cayman. Yeah. Cayman. Cayman. And his two Cayman. buddies. Just, just like the lizard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he is a lizard. Okay. And that he is, is a lizard. What Talk about your synchronicity. <laughs> that, that's screenwriting 101. Try to keep things basic. Honestly, that's what I thought about yeah. Gelt, too, because Gelt, the, you know, I just, I, I heard Gelt, money, yeah. GLT for money. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And that there that's the thing, right? I mean, who's the bad yeah. guy? Sador, who's a sadist. Oh. <laughs> and, and Richard Thomas playing Shad, or Shat, as I call it through the whole thing, which is exactly <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Um, so, yes, Cayman, the lizard man, and his two buddies, the guys who speak in heat, um, they were save uh, our our female hero uh, in quotations, Nanella, who had been off looking for more friends. Instead of finding more friends, she gets attacked by some sort of weird monster in space, which apparently was trying to digest her. But she's saved by uh, Cayman and his crew so that he could sell her to be eaten. So I guess it was like not enough that she was going to be eaten. It's if he can't profit off it, it's it's not worth it. So he saves her to make profit, but she convinced him to join him because, lo and behold, what's his backstory? This is the it's an old trope, but it's it's a it's a good one to throw into this kind of movie. 
his entire race was wiped out by the villain, and so he has a vendetta against the villain, and this is his chance to live that out. See, I love that. I, I actually yeah, really but that's, like it's, that. It's an old tired trope. It's it's Conan. Well, sure it is. It's Conan, isn't it? I I know, but it's with lizards, so it's but new it's with, and different. It's, yeah. bad, it's a terrible. Yeah, it's lizard. different. It's different. This has lizards. You don't understand. <laughs> it's different. No, it's the same thing, but it's got lizards. Damn it! Yes. I am going to justify my love for this movie no matter what. Yeah, lizards, <laughs> where you can see their mouths underneath their mouths. <laughs> yeah, Jen, I mean, it's like I, didn't you even try a little bit? Wait harder a minute. Or... Jen has a crush on the. Uh... The, on fish, the lizard man. The, the fish, no, the fish man from uh, what's that movie? The uh, Shape of Water. So. The Shape of Water. Yeah. Oh, I think we're seeing a pattern here. <laughs> uh, he has I, a strange, I, weird fetish with the lizard and fish people. I, I couldn't possibly yeah. make it any more clear that yes, I definitely have this interspecies love. <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. You're right. Searching <laughs> on the point of tentacle porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and we'll skirt past that now back to our pg rated film <laughs> where we follow into a wonderful early late 70s early 80s rape scene because that's what this movie needed so <laughs> what we have are two mutants that were left behind because the crew of the bad guy ship which we haven't talked about the bad guy at all that's how much he uh, he has an impact on this film yeah. he leaves Two mutants behind to watch over the planet <laughs> while he goes off to, you know, obliterate another planet. And these two guys get bored after a while and they decide to abduct this woman. And as our heroes are coming back, um, basically, this <laughs> is so stupid. Wait a <laughs> minute. Wait a, we kind of breezed over the fact oh, that. No, the fact that Sador came and said, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to fuck you guys up. But in seven days, though. Yeah, yeah, no, we did talk days. about that. Oh, okay, yeah. In fact, he's multitasking. It's like... He's got to go back and take... So what he does, obviously, <laughs> from what I can see from this movie, is he goes from planet to planet threatening them, and then he, like, you know, I'll go to this planet, and then I'll say I'll be back in seven days. Go to the next planet and say, I'm going to take you guys on in seven days. Go back to the first planet, because <laughs> it takes seven days between each of these planets, and either, you know, conquers it or turns it into a sun. And, you know... And that's his, you know, modus operandi. But the movie, like, he's, it's not an empire. Like, this is not like, you know, Star Wars where you got an empire. There's this whole, you know, bureaucracy and thousands of ships and troops and everything. This is one guy in a big ship full of mutants that has six or seven ships that defend him. And this one big ass, you know, uh, planet killer weapon. And that's it. And he just kind of pops from planet to planet saying, uh, you're mine. And they go, no! Okay, <sighs> fries the planet. All right, you're mine. Okay, good. I'm going to start harvesting you for, uh, you know, organs. Okay, you're mine. No! All right, I'll fry your planet. And that's that's it. That's all he does. Goes from planet to planet for, I guess, decades, eons or whatever, because he, he wants to live forever by, you know, transplanting What, what was that with his arm? Did he, what, what, what was wrong with his arm? Was it like well, a no, hockey it's... accident? What, what well, well, no, no. He's, uh, yeah, it was like me. It was a hockey accident. <laughs> and he had to have a replaced and have a ball bearing left behind. Uh, no, he, uh, he's basically, that's the thing. As parts of his body start failing, he goes and hacks off parts from either his own oh. mutants or uh, the other people. See, I didn't Which get that. Would have made an I, I guess interesting I story unto itself, but they never really go into it much except for the scene where 
we will get into later, the cool scene with Nestor, who's mm-hmm. my favorite character in this whole this whole thing. You know, the the, the whole premise of, of this of the movie that and that's again, you know, I think it could have been awesome it really could have been way more awesome than it is. But yeah. the, the science fiction premise of forms must prey on other forms to survive yeah. is actually a really awesome science fiction premise. Yeah. There, there's so much sort of to explore there. Yeah. And there's I, always I wish... great premises and there's always bad ideas coming from those premises. Well, it's the so- <laughs> it's the it's the truly sophomoric presentation of the awesome idea that sort of trips it all up. But 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 I will, you know, I'm going to go back to this idea of they started out telling one movie and they ended up telling a different totally different story. There is this sort of uh, kernel of something underneath all of this, which is still really viable, which which you just touched on, you know, with the number one with the backstory with the lizard guy and number two with the uh, having to harvest pieces in order to survive. Like if it hadn't been told so campy, it would have been really good. It could have been a great Star Trek film. Oh, wait, they did do that in Star Trek in the end. Uh, the phage, which is a really cool thing, where you had this uh, group of uh, aliens that went around harvesting people because they were, you know, slowly dying of diseases, and they would just like cut off parts and and org and steal organs and everything, and they had enough technology to prevent rejection of these organs from different species, but nothing to stop the disease which was killing them. I remember that. Uh, it was in Voyager, so you wouldn't remember because very few yeah. people really watched yeah. Voyager. No, no, nobody watched it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a good series. <laughs> but it had, but once again, great premise, um, bad execution. And that's what this movie is full of. Great premises and terrible execution. Um, but one of the premises that I love the most, which is the next villain, or next uh, hero they come across, which is Nestor. And Nestor is basically a... a I don't know if they're exactly clones, but it's basically a linked species. So every every individual is part of a whole. So they share all of the knowledge they have. They and share their third all eye of the experiences. Is always open. Hmm? And their third eye is always open. Yes, and the third eye is always open and painted on top of their head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, the makeup I don't like wasn't that. great, but, but the I, idea was interesting. I don't like. And I don't so, want to see that. That's the thing I said at the beginning about being linked like that, because uh, what if uh, one of your linked partners is into some weird shit? That means you're getting. Then you into... all get to experience it. Hell, I'm good on that. So you get to experience it without the guilt because you're going. That ain't me. That's messed for <laughs> twenty thousand and two. See, I, he's see, got I, his freak on. I actually see some it. promise in that. That actually sounds pretty interesting. But what I like about them is like they, they they got four control panels and five guys and they and they say straight up, yeah we always carry a spare. <laughs> like <laughs> what a great what a great premise. Um, and Nestor one the guy who does most of the dialogue is played by Earl Bowen who mm-hmm. you may know as the doctor in Terminator and Terminator Two who the psychiatrist who does mm-hmm. not believe that she's actually you know seeing all these things. So um, uh, he's the one who gets the, the needle in the neck with the uh, antifreeze or whatever she's threatening to put into him. Yeah, he's a career asshole. So <laughs> once again, there's your... Yeah, but he's he's connected with James Cameron through Roger Corbin. Cameron, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
So there you go. There's a lot of connections between the two. And yeah, I'm, I'm not and talking about I the actor. I'm talking about he plays a, he plays assholes a lot. Yeah, but as Nestor, he doesn't. Nestor is oh. awesome. I love Nestor. That's the one character that I thought, what a great concept. And I thought they did a good job with the whole idea. And the neat thing is what they do is they allow one of the Nestors to get captured by the bad guys in one scene. Because they know the bad guy goes and harvests organs, right? So he chops off an arm. And it, apparently with these Nestors, it's not just the whole. They can control parts of the bodies as well. Because they're basically this communal alien. It's not like they're... That's why I said they're not clones exactly. They're, they may all be the same being in a way. And they try to get the arm that is now grafted onto the bad guy to you know, pick up a knife and cut the bad guy's throat. And they fail, and it was really a fun scene as they're sitting there all together trying to do the, you know, knifing motion across the, the neck, and the yeah. bad guys trying to stop this arm from killing him. And I said, "Oh, that's see, that was clever. That was unique. That was different. And that wasn't anything I'd seen before." And I said, "Okay, that's good. That's a neat premise, and it was carried out well. I liked it. And it's kind of weird and bizarre, and I like that. It's bonkers like the rest of the, rest of the movie, but." I like that bit. I really did. And that's why Nestor is my favorite character in the whole movie. And I thought his comeuppance was kind of lame. They should have saved Nestor. But I know there's more Nestors out there. So when Battle Beyond the Stars 2 comes out, which I hope it does. Oh, you still waiting? Yeah. Because they, they did a whole bunch of Magnificent Seven. You know, they ride again. So it'll be Battle Beyond the Stars, ride again. Oh, boy. I mean, most of the actors are still alive except for George Papard, but he died in the movie anyways, and so did Robert Vaughn. So, you know, bring Sybil Danning back. Oh, yeah. Uh, spoiler. You got to say spoiler alert. What's that? <laughs> you got to say spoiler oh. alert. Oh, yeah. So, I, no, I said that off the top. I said none of the aliens that are brought to this planet survive. That's why I said it was a planet of racists that have their ultimate dream of using other people to protect them and not having to worry about these nasty foreigners staying in their country after the fact so yes so we've got our nester and then of course we got sybil danning as eximen saint eximen who's part of the valkyrie race is that the, the, the big titty girl yes oh, yeah. apparently that's my right favorite their ship spread spread legged wearing as little as possible and talking about dying in battle being glorious live Live fast, die beautifully. Yeah, and that's that, their motto. Yeah, that was my God, favorite there are, character. There are so many references. I, I, I don't even want to make them because I feel like that would it's going to turn the show into something that no, it's not. Go ahead. But, go, no, right no go ahead. What was what was the reference you have there on this I, one? I, I simply am just... I, there are times when I'm really astounded by the 70s and the 80s, late 70s especially, and early 80s, with the association between death and sex and how <laughs> it is just, I mean, it is, it's, it, it's almost maniacal. And, well, and you know, that's every an chance old one, that though. you Think get. about Dracula. But Dracula is about sex and death, right? But it's so, it, but it's so hyper, uh, it's so hyper. See, it's not hyper masculine because that's not it. It is hyper. No. It's just in mm. your face. It's just, yes. it's so pronounced as if, Shouting it from the rooftop somehow makes it more important. <laughs> and shouting is what she does do. Indeed. Yeah. Okay, no, she doesn't shout. When The first time she attacks the bad guys, she screams. 
and I thought, oh my god, she's dead. That was quick. No, that was her <laughs> battle cry. That was her battle cry, yeah. Her battle cry was basically <laughs> screaming like some woman being dropped off a building or, you know, something you would hear in a movie from Bygone Air. Uh, you know, Faye Ray being picked up by King Kong. That was her battle cry, was that sound. And it's like, I guess that would throw you off if you were the villain. <laughs> You're hearing this coming over the comms. It's like, oh my God, who just died? Oh, we're under attack still. Oh, they, they, she fooled us. <sighs> but yeah, her only purpose in this movie was to wear as little as possible and I'm to okay. show as much as possible. I'm okay with that. It's so hard to take that seriously. Yes. That's so hard. <laughs> and so we don't need to talk about her acting ability because... There was no need for that. Well, I mean, Sybil Danning is, was like the 80s version of Brigitte Nielsen. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, basically, you know, if you look at the movie Sybil Danning did, because this was like her first English language movie. Right. You look at, at what she did, you know, in the, the following decade, you know, she was like, you know, warden of a women's prison kind of thing. I mean, they were always... <laughs> Be, you know, where she would be either scantily clad or unclad. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I mean, she was like, you know, Brigitte Nielsen <laughs> before, before you know, she got her claws into Sylvester Stallone. Well, the, uh, so here wow, we go. good reference. Really good so, reference. So here yeah. are the, the top four films that she's known for is Battle Beyond the yes. Stars. Hercules, yep. 1983, with uh, Lou Ferrigno. Chained Heat, of yeah. course. And then 2007, Heat, 2007, she decides to hook up with Rob Zombie to do Halloween, the remake of Halloween. Oh, was she in that? Yes, she was. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 She Believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. yeah. She was Nurse Wynn, is the, her credited her role in that. Oh. Wow. And now, she was also in Grindhouse... And her last movie was Reform School Girls. Hmm. Yeah. As a video short. So obviously some pervert said, Here, here's fifty bucks. You wanna be in my fanfic? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got nothing better to do. Great. You're playing a warden. Again? You seem so good at it. <laughs> and I and I play the reform school girl. You're a you're a fifty year old fat dude. Doesn't matter. I'll be dressing up and just let's just do it. Here's your fifty bucks. Okay, I went too far with that one. I <laughs> 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 oh, actually got images in my head. All right, let's go on to our next bit. So, um, <laughs> so keeping with the tasteful conversation, uh, we're going to talk about the space rape. As I said, our mutant friends kidnap a woman uh, from the planet the peaceful planet of, of the space racists. And uh, basically they um, talk about they were bored. And so obviously the whole implication was that they were going to defile one of these poor young maidens who was about to go get married. So say so get married, she gets space raped and the good guys are coming back and the mutants are about to fire on them. And, she sacrificed herself, I guess, because she cannot live with the idea that she's being violated by, you know, outside mutants. And, you know, as all uh, classic versions of women who have been attacked by, you know, unsullied people, she would rather die than live with that. And so she forces that ship to be attacked and blown up. Or she 
basically takes control of the ship, allowing them to be blown up. Who invented that trope, by the way? Because I don't like know. It goes vote. back. It goes back <sighs> to uh, as far back as I remember is as far as motion pictures go. Uh, the lovely, wonderful birth of a nation. I, I mean, it, Where you, you know, have a woman who's, who's been violated by those those unclean people and throws herself off the cliff. Uh, you think of the, and it's a, such a horrible trope, and it's been used over and over again. Um, I think of uh, the remake of Last of the Mohicans, where after, you know, the woman's been with the Indians for a while, then she's like, obviously something has happened. And instead of allowing herself to go with them, she throws herself off the cliff as a sacrifice. And it's like, oh, these are just terrible terrible things it's that i don't know why they think it's a no the nobility of protecting your purity is what it is well i, I mean i know that it's like it's based on the ancient roman well not based on ancient roman but there's that's sort of where a lot of that inspiration comes from but you know the ancient rome was not a paragon of good things for us to mimic so we should yeah. stop that right now i don't know no it's not based on i don't even think it's based on ancient roman anything i think it's just some fucked up writers writing some bullshit i think yeah, that's okay. what it is. I'll, I'll take that too <laughs> it is it is it's a bullshit trope that keeps coming up and over and over again it's the whole idea of well your purity has been besmirched <sighs> so the only thing good for you now is death that's the only thing that will will purify that horrible sin that's happened to you. Even though it's not her fault, she didn't do anything to deserve this. She didn't, you know, and, and, but the only thing that's left for her is to sacrifice herself uh, and killing the, the people who perpetrated this on her. And so we're we're supposed to feel some sort of cathartic, oh, that's good. Thank, thank goodness she did that. That's like, oh. And it's used over and over again. And in some cases, it's just the 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 woman sacrificing her life throwing herself off a cliff or, or or doing something to get herself killed and we're supposed to feel like somehow oh that makes up for it. she sacrificed herself to unsully herself and it's like I will really? say this is the that's the only part of the movie that i actually i wanted to fast forward through because yeah. I remembered it from before, and I felt just as gross and uncomfortable with it. Yeah, it's this creepy time and, and unnecessary. It's like we know the guys. We know these guys are bad guys. What? Here, let's prove that they're really bad guys. Let's have them do a random rape. It's like that is the cheapest, you know, trope to pull out. Uh, you know what? We got to prove these guys are really bad. How are we going to do that? Uh, either they kill a child or they rape a woman. And, ah, killing and, a child's too far. Let's just have them rape a woman. And and you know, and the the thing about this movie, which which it really surprises me, is there were so many other choices for bad guy <laughs> things to do. Yeah, it, I mean, they, they were calling people up for organs, but they decide, exactly. no, let's do this. Now, I would have been okay if there's like, you know what, I want to have ovaries, so let's carve that out of her and put it into me. I could get that and go, okay, it's weird, it's messed up, but you know, it kind of follows their kind of line of thinking. But yeah, the right thing. Eh. It's, and it's it's just one of those weird throwaway things that's completely unnecessary to the plot. It's not. Am I supposed to hate the villains more because of it? Eh, you know what? I hate the villains because they're boring, not because of that. You know, there's nothing more you need to do. And this movie does this one scene, and it's it's definitely a downer scene, and it's one of those low points in the film. That definitely. is, you know, it's it's for all of its. The things i say about it it's it's goofy but it's a fun film uh the only thing i don't like are the space fight scenes because they're boring as shit um yeah pew pew, pew close up of the guy in the ship pew 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 close up of the guy in the ship pew 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 close up of the guy in the ship 
blow up, blow up, the end. It's like what? Well, it's like they're like dull, <laughs> dull scenes. Like this, this is supposed to be the high, the climax of the film, and it's boring. It is so boring. What about uh? Did we did we talk about uh, Nell? No. Well, we sort of touched on Nell. Go ahead. You talk about Nell. And yes. Um, her her voice was annoying. Um, I didn't like really. Yeah, I didn't like her. Yeah. I didn't like. She gave. I don't. I. I kind of got that kind of. Um, you know. Uh, what was her name? Nurse Chapel. Uh, Major Barrett kind of vibe from her. I think. I think the computer for all. Of I don't think how. I don't think how two thousand would have hooked up with Neil. I think he, he would. <laughs> I don't think that would oh, have been a match. Uh, you know what? I love Nell only because it's that ending scene where she, you know, she's been hit and all of a sudden her memory's gone and then she's trying to, okay, I'm going to do the countdown and her countdown is like, she's just throwing random numbers out there and you realize, oh fuck, uh, this is what we're counting on to, 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 to save the day and she can't even get from, you know, five to one without throwing in 19, eight, 17. Oh dear. <laughs> but, um, I didn't find Nell that annoying. I didn't. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like her voice either. Yeah, I, her I voice was annoying. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Is she it was definitely it was no Siri. Coast? Yeah, no Siri. No she's too uh, East Coast for you folks. No, is uh, it Alexa? <laughs> she kind of. Yeah, she was New no York. Alexa either. As I said, it Alexa comes on. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but she. What would you like? I can mm-hmm. count down to ten myself. <laughs> uh, thank you, Alexa. I, you know, but it's funny though. I mean, it's funny. Um, like I like Richard Thomas, right? N- normally, mm-hmm. um, really? Yeah, I like him in stuff. What I mean, did you he, say? What did you just say? You said <laughs> like Richard, Richard Thomas. Thomas normally? Normally, what, what, wait, in like what? In his remake in of what? Yeah. in the Americans, right he was really good. His remake of the uh, Red Badge of Courage, no, or in, his no. terrible stint as uh, in it. No, in in the uh, the Americans, he was really good. I thought. Uh, oh, I see. I haven't seen that. So that's a great show. That's a great show. And um, in what was that? Invaders, I think the uh, remake. Uh, he was pretty good. Invaders of Mars was he in that? No, it was called in the Invaders. Oh, in the Invaders. Okay. And uh, uh, he's in a lot of remakes. And uh, yeah, he's been you know he's been good in some stuff. Uh, I mean, he's not one of my favorite actors. Look, but... I liked him as John Boy. That's it. Yeah, but John Boy Walton, he had that nailed. I, you know what? I don't think he was the best person to have as the lead in this because uh, it was just something about him in this movie that bored me to tears well you know what i think the way that character was written i don't think anybody could have made that character interesting no no you know the guy who played uh masters of the universe the guy who played he-man he could have made it interesting he could have made it super interesting okay fine just eye candy but it still would have been interesting how about max von saito he might have made it interesting you know what they should have made uh they should have made uh he'd be a little old for the role but you know no, you know what? They should have went with a female lead, and it should have been uh, the the big tit girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nice. Speaking of I would have watched it. It's not just sexist, okay? That's actually bordering on something else. So wait a should, minute, well, you you're talking probably, about? You should use her proper name. Should use her proper name. Yeah, come on. Okay, Me you're too. the one. You're Hashtag. the wait a minute. You're the yeah. one who just talked about put the He Man guy in there for eye candy. Why can't well, I have right, her? But I didn't call him the walking 
which I won't. Penis even man. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Dang near. Walking you dang near did it. So why can't I say the? I don't know her uh, name. Uh, look at that. He's, he's looking for the excuse, right? It's like I don't know her you name. You kind of said he was good looking. So why can't I call her big titty woman? She is. <laughs> Do you not see the degrees? If she here? had a big forehead. If, if she had a big forehead, I would have said big forehead woman. <laughs> I don't think you she couldn't tell she had a big forehead. She had that stupid hat on. Like she made a career. <laughs> Off of her breast, so you know I don't think she's uh, upset about that. So <laughs> when you make a, your career off your boobs, I think it's okay to refer. I, to I can't wait that. to make a career off of my boobs. <laughs> <laughs> she I would, may not get as as far as she did, but you know she would say she there would, are people out there who will pay for that. Uh, Sybil Danning, that's her name. Yeah, Sybil Danning, aka Big Paul Kitty. Lee, Big Kitty. Oh, okay, hold on. Here's your IB. <laughs> So, after this, here's her IMDb description. <clears throat> Tall, leggy, buxom, and statuesque. Five foot seven, blonde beauty, Sybil Danning reigns supreme as one of the sexiest, most dynamic, and commanding actresses to achieve cult B movie queen status. Wow. So, so we know that she's tall, she's leggy, and she's buxom. And, that, and, and that's all we need to know about her acting career. We're not saying, you know, talented actress or, you know, well-rounded performer. No, she's just tall, leggy, and buxom. Can, all right, Ken, let me ask you a question. You you know about this, that, that era of B-movies. Um, is she in the top ten of uh, women that uh, play those kind of parts in, in that era? Uh, for those kind of parts, I would say, yeah, she was, uh, through the eighties, she was pretty much a, uh, a, a uh, an icon, mm-hmm. very popular at the fire department. <laughs> in fact, yes, in fact watching, watching this movie at the fire department, everybody <laughs> just loved St. X-Men. <laughs> and, that was, and I'll say she was a- like their favorite character in the whole movie they couldn't wait for it to come on screen again <laughs> and as a 14 year old at the time i'd have to say that yes um you know she 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 was an interesting thing to watch on pause on video and that's on all pause. yes on, on, okay okay i just want to make sure i heard that right that's all yeah yeah so okay, so besides yeah, you gotta pause it and get yeah, a and, certain point. And sometimes yeah, put it in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> if you could do slow motion on your VCR, which was very hard to do. Oh no, they, a lot of them they yeah. had a slow There's motion. There's a few spots in the film where it's suddenly why does the whole film just drop out and we have nothing but fuzz? I don't know. Playhead was on there a little too long, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Sorry, old technology joke. Go ahead. Go on. You were going to say? <laughs> no, I was going to say. So, you know, this goes into the category, as we said earlier, of um, of uh, Star Wars ripoffs or knockoffs or yes, whatnot. Absolutely. Um, and there and, was plenty of them at the time. Now, where do we put this one in the, the, the realm of the Star Wars knockoffs that came out right after uh, well, Star Wars? That's a good question because... Uh, you look at it, um, Flash Gordon was maligned as a Star Wars ripoff at the time, and it wasn't a Star Wars ripoff mm-hmm. because, uh, as we said, Flash Gordon was actually the inspiration for Star Wars for George Lucas, mm-hmm. um, and it's its own movie, and it does its own thing. It doesn't fall in that. This movie is 
definitely a ripoff, but it also tries to rip off a Western movie because they're going, well, Star Wars is kind of like a Western in space, so we'll just take a Western story and put it in space. And it's not very good. But at the same time, you also had uh, Battlestar Galactica. You mm-hmm. had Buck Rogers um, and a ton of other cheap, cheap films. So my question is, what's the line then for uh, ripoff and homage? Like, uh, like for example, well, this could not be. This is not an homage. There's no way this is an homage because mm-hmm. if it were an homage, it'd be to the Magnificent Seven. If it was, but, but it's, what, it's what's obviously the line, a cash in. But what's this the is line? a definite cash in uh, on the Star Wars fad. What's what's the line? Because like I give you an example, like uh, Quentin Tarantino quote-unquote does a bunch of homages every movie he makes is an homage well, to something i else. think it's it's time it's definitely time and actually studying what made those things what they are like if you look at a, a oh. quentin tarantino film he's looking at the grindhouse films of the 70s but he's doing them in the 90s and the 2000s he's got the time so he's not doing it going oh this is this is what i'm cashing in on I'm going to do a film like this one. He's not. He's going, these are the films I liked at this time. This is what I thought worked about them. These are the things that I thought were interesting. And this is what I can take from those films and make something different or interesting. And so he creates something completely different. Um, like if you look at Inglorious Bastards, yes, there was a film in the 70s called Inglorious Bastards. Nothing like the film he created. Nothing but, at all. But see, it's, you know, the, the thing is, and this is the truth with a lot of movies around this time, right? There is a huge difference between tipping your hat to uh, a film or a story because you want to give it credit for being so great that you incorporate parts of it into your own work and just ripping off the entire premise in order to, to have something to put out there. Something that talk, doesn't artistically talking, stand by itself. We're talking Hollywood. And we're talking anything that comes out. Look, look and it happens nowadays. It's obvious. It still does anything, right now. Oh, it happens all the time. Anything that becomes big and makes money, you will see a thousand films come out. And this is the difference. Is some films are a little bit better than others, so they you can remember them and go back. It's like Battle Beyond the Stars, Battlestar Galactica, and Buck Rogers. You can go, okay, I remember those. But you have to understand, there was probably another 50 films that were ripoffs of Star Wars in one way or another that are completely forgotten because they were just so bad and so nothing that, you know, that they're just forgotten. Uh, these movies at least stand out a bit because they have a little bit of something going for them that allows you to remember them. Um Battlestar Galactica had really good special effects for the time. Like, they were on par because they borrowed a lot of the... the you know, special effects teams from Star Wars um, was not a good story. I mean, on anyone who I, it had an interesting premise enough that you know it could be redone in the two thousands into a very interesting series. Um, so that's remembered. Buck Rogers, uh, that's pretty much forgotten by most people now. Um, I remember only because I remember the series and everything, but I'm sure most people uh, have no idea that it was a Buck Rogers movie in nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine, whenever that came out. Uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, uh, I remember it because it does have a few interesting, weird moments. Nestor is one of those things. It has some bonkers ideas that are kind of interesting that stick out. That makes, you know, and Nestor was the thing that always made me remember this damn movie. That and John Boy Walton being the hero. But these movies are definitely cashing in on the trend, right? They're going, this is uh, this is what's selling. 
we're going to cash in. And Roger, Roger Corbett was no stranger to that and, and did not feel any shame towards doing that kind of thing. Um, you know, he, he had no problem with making a cheap version of a popular film to cash in and get what he could out of it, you know, the money-wise. Now, and Roger Corman is still, you know, he's not something he's respected, but he is loved because his films at least have one good thing going from They are definitely rip-off films, but they have this weird kind of, he's got this sort of, he gets these kind of weird things going on in those films enough that you remember them, enough that you go, okay, you know, okay, this is a cheap rip-off, but it's got some stuff that I really like. And there's some interesting things like the special effects at the time people said, this is good special effects. You know, we're talking 1980, right? Nowadays you look at it and go, that's kind of cheap looking. The the space battle scenes are definitely boring as all shit. I mean, it's basically pew, 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 close up. As I said before, pew, 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 close up explosion. And you don't, there's no space or uh, like what I'm saying is there's no, you can't figure out where everything is happening. You don't no, know. You're looking at a close movies? up of this part. There's no kind of idea of what the hell is happening. You just. It's I didn't just realize happening. he still makes movies. He does. Yeah. And, he, wow. and, and guess what kind of films he makes? The uh, same kind of things. Oscar he, award he, winning. No, but <laughs> but his films are still interesting. Like uh, I I think of stuff like you know X the Man with X Ray Eyes or whatever it was called. That's an interesting film. It's a cheap kind of tawdry thing. He does he does you know low budget stuff but he does have a quirky kind of sense of what he wants to do and so it does come through in his films and it does come through in this film like this film's not a total waste of time this is not a total ripoff film this is why i picked it because it does have an entertaining side to it i mean as jen said she she enjoys this is it sort of it's your guilty pleasure right one of your guilty yes. pleasures yes, one yeah. of them, yes so it does have a quality to it that makes it you know a little bit memorable, a little bit interesting. It's uh, there's bits of they're fun to watch or interesting to watch. And, you, and a lot of his films are what if? What if he had more budget? What if he had a better actor doing this? What if he had more time to put this together? That there's you know you go there's enough of this here that could make a better film. And and I always find that with his films, it's like you watch him and you go, you know there could be something more. Uh, it just it just needs a little bit of something. Bigger yeah, budget, better. Want to more time? No, he doesn't he want to do more. He does, no, he doesn't. I mean, he does not. That's he's true. he's all about, you know, low budget, make them fast, get them out there. I yes. mean, because he's he's still basically operating as he was mm-hmm. in the sixties. Yes, you know, absolutely. And, and, so and, I mean, that's 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 his his thing. Is you know, he yes, they could be better. If he oh, yeah. put more money into it, if he got better actors, if he yep. the stories were better, you know, all of it could be better. He doesn't care. He doesn't want better. What he wants is product. He wants to get yep. it out there and have it start making money for it. Yep, and that's true. And Which that's is true. fine. No, it is. But you know what? You he know? still has. And I mean, that's fine. There's still a Roger Corman kind of like it's weird because he still has sort of a style to his stuff. Like you can tell a Roger Corman film from any other cheap ripoff film. Is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, there is definitely. And I don't know a what it, I don't know what it is because he acts like the rest of them. It is. He's doing his grindhouse thing. Let's get this out. Let's make quick. Let's get the quick buck. Star Wars is big. Let's get a space movie now. Boom. You got three days to put the script out. <laughs> that long, huh? Yeah. Wow. If that. If that. 
by the end of this weekend, I need a script because we're shooting Monday. I've already got the actors. They don't even know what parts they're doing, so you gotta let me know. I got I got this television star, this television, this star, and this guy who was in a film that was popular uh, 10, 15 years ago. Let's go. <laughs> well, but, you know, you know, but I'm going to go back to something that I said before, which is that I think that the reason, first of all, this this movie definitely does get better with time, mostly because time kind of puts it into perspective, right? And it really does feel like, oh yeah, what it is, um, but. But the other thing about it, which I find so interesting, is the more that you um, the more that you think about it as kind of a mixture of a whole bunch of different tropes, the sort of the better it is at kind of almost not making fun of them and not mocking them, but being just a blatant caricature of those tropes. And for that, it actually becomes kind of endearing. It does, and but that's the thing. It's, it's like what Ken was saying. It's not intentional. He's just grinding out at what, you know, here, here, here we go. These are the things the audience wants to see. Boom. And he puts them together. But somehow when he puts them together, it, it's, it's likable enough that, and because he is trying to at least get, you know, people in seats to watch it. Right. So he does make them entertaining. It's not like he's just, you know, doing like, yeah. you know, Turkish Star Wars or something like that. He is trying to be entertaining. He's trying to be entertaining on the cheap and on the quick. So he can make the fast buck. You know, he's 92 years old. Is he now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's a lot of people who go back and, you know, they, you know, uh, James Cameron and everything. They go back and they say, you know, everything I learned was doing the Cameron films. Because Francis Ford Coppola. Did Coppola do it? You know, Coppola worked for, for Corman. You know, I mean, a whole bunch of those people Mm -hmm. came up through. You know, New World Pictures or yep. whatever Corman's production company was. Yep. Uh, and you know, he would he would bring these people on, and you know, give them something to do, and then they all just you know continued on. But you know, it, Joe Dante, you know, a whole bunch of people came out of the Corman factory, as it were. I'm, I'm looking you know, at this. I'm looking you know at this I'm, article. I'm, I'm Wait, hold on a second. Next... I'm looking at this article. It says Roger Corman is being sued by his sons. But the 92-year-old uh, legend uh, won't let that stop him from making movies. B-Movie <laughs> King explains how selling his film library opened the door to make more films, this time for the burgeoning Chinese market. Ooh. Holy shit. He, I just realized, I'm looking here, He's he did a sequel to Death Race 2000 mm-hmm. called Death Race 2050. And, and that was oh, that stars- last Zach- year. Yeah, last stars- year. Yeah, yeah, that stars Zach McGowan. I have to see this. By the way, um, now have, after having this speech, um, I'm pulling one of the movies that we've picked for for uh, next uh, the next round, and and uh, we have to put Death Race 2000 in. <laughs> a because it's a Roger Corman film, we need to at least have one Roger Corman film per season, and B because awesome. <laughs> so there you go. And uh, and of course, you know, I'm thinking now. I'm thinking of Roger Corman. We're, we're no longer talking about the film we're we're watching, but Roger Corman in, in general. I'm thinking of um, the stuff he did with uh, Vincent Price. The all the uh, Poe. Oh yeah, the all the Poe. Oh, all the Poe. I love those. Uh, yeah, movies. Uh, you, you look at young Jack Nicholson, which you know most people think of Jack Nicholson. They think of 1970s Jack Nicholson, or maybe Easy Rider yeah. Jack Nicholson, and they forget he was in The Raven as this. Yeah. 
you know, side character. He was the leading man, basically. Can you imagine this? Jack Nicholson was the leading man, the heartthrob, and the person you were supposed to root for in a movie. The, and he's the guy that was supposed to get the girl, and you were supposed to go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Jack Nicholson. Crazy. All right, so I think this is a good time to go to Jen for movies that make a meal. And, uh, oh, wait, I thought we'd do the... Don't we do the scores first so she can do the movies that make the meal so you can add up the scores? Uh, I thought that's how we work this thing. Oh, yeah, well, let's do it. You're, then. you're throwing me off here now. Let's do I'm, that, I'm confused. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's, let's, do the, let's do the rating. Let's do the movies make the meal, and then you can announce the finalists All after right. we've figured this one out. We'll start off with um, uh, Jen first. Uh, okay. And as you know, folks, we have four categories in which we rate the films from one to ten. We have first the production value, which is talking about the general look and feel of the film, how well put together it is. Second, of course, is our uh, acting. Third is storyline. And fourth is the overall entertainment value of the film itself. Jen, go ahead. All right. So, okay. Uh, and also, the reason that I didn't want, just so that everybody knows, the reason I didn't want to give the synopsis is because, is because again, I thought that the movie was actually sort of a different movie, and I didn't want to throw people off with my interpretation of what it was, <laughs> because technically that's not really what the movie wait, was. Wait, so, there you go. Before you give your, can you give us what you thought the movie should have been? Because I would like to hear that. I mean, if you could do that in just a couple of minutes, because I yeah. would really love to hear that. Okay, it's very short. I, I actually, I really think that at the heart of this movie is a story of, uh, of, um, race redemption not racial redemption but <laughs> race redemption that is each race trying to make themselves better failing spectacularly but trying very hard to mm. make themselves better including <laughs> the human race including the human race nobody nobody succeeded just spoiler alert but we're still good see I, I i still see the film as the same that the akiri were all about separate but equal and had the Akiri washroom and Akiri fountain and everybody else fountain. I, I can actually see some kind of, you know, Aryan stuff going through there. So you're those, right. Those guys you're are right. racist in space. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm changing that film. <clears throat> okay. Right. So my scores, uh, I gave this movie production value. I actually gave it an eight. Um, wow. Thought it was yeah i liked it and for the time i mean when you look at stuff that's similar in 1980 it's it's actually not too bad they did some pretty innovative stuff i, I was pretty impressed um uh our the next one was acting and the acting uh, i gave it a three i uh <laughs> didn't particularly like anybody's performance uh i you know not that anybody annoyed me to the point of i have to turn this off but and, and I, obviously I like the, the movie, but oh my gosh, the acting is so ridiculous. It's just, it's almost hilarious. Um, I, also, you know, one, one thing that we just didn't talk about, just really quick, the, the, the guy who plays the, the John Boy character, you know. Yes. D <laughs> John Boy character. <laughs> yeah, but that is what he career. is, right? You're going to be known as John Boy. But yeah. that is what he is, right? I mean, yeah. did anybody get the feel that they actually chose him because of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they're going to look for Luke Skywalker, let's get John Boy to play Luke Skywalker, farmer in space. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I just want, to, just want to make sure that I wasn't totally off with that. I really think that that was sort of where that was going. Um, 
my overall, I, I gave it actually a nine. I, I, I still love this movie. It's definitely a huge guilty pleasure. You, for me. Did you not give Flash Gordon a nine? Are you saying this is on par with Flash Gordon? It is. For me, oh, it I, absolutely You didn't give story. Story. Oh, story, story. Oh, sorry. sorry. Story, I gave it a three. <laughs> <laughs> so not on par with Flash Gordon. <laughs> But overall, but overall, just being able to sit down and watch it with a big bowl of popcorn and some, you know, hot chocolate, it, it actually is really good. And you don't even need liquor to like this. You can just watch it and have a good time. <laughs> Those are right. my stories. Cool. Who's next? Ken. Ken. Our guest. Ken. Our guest speaker. Production quality. What, what, what would you give it? Uh, I give it a six. I felt, it, you know, for the time, it wasn't bad. Uh, the um, the model work was okay. The set design was a little weird on the planet, especially it was oh, like yeah. Candyland or something. Really wonky space. I'm not exactly, you know, sure. You know, did they just? Like, you know, put up some wire frames and pour some foam on it and say, okay, there we go. That's like <laughs> some kind of big bulbous thing that's here. Uh, Let's yeah, stand around it. Film. Absolutely. You're right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They didn't put a lot of work into it. But, I mean, for the time, it was, you know, adequate. Um, I gave the acting also a six. Again, not terrible. I mean, nobody... Thinking back, let me think if anybody, I felt anybody was really terrible. Uh, uh, terrible. I mean, other than like, you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't like Richard Thomas. So therefore, you know, <laughs> it would, it would be really hard for me to think of him as having done a good job. Uh, but I mean, you know, the rest of them, Vaughn and so, I mean, the, the actual actor people. Uh, Danny? <laughs> you know, which is basically Vaughn, Papard and Saxon. The yes. people who had, like, some experience, they did, you know, they did what the script gave them to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they didn't go beyond it. They weren't exactly memorable. <laughs> they didn't go beyond it. <laughs> they didn't go beyond in Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, Robert Vaughn, he came in, he did his two days. They gave him a script. They, you know, said, you know, okay, you're sort of like the Lee character in Magnificent Seven. He said, okay, fine. And, you know, that's what he played. Uh, you know, Saxon, he, you know, he did his his uh, his bad guy thing. George Papard, well, you know, he was in a little career dip there. You know, <laughs> this is pre-A-team, pre you know, when he made his comeback. <laughs> yeah. He was, you know, he was pretty much, it was, it was pretty much, you know, like a, a sort of a fallow part of his career there. You know, he had gone from being the, you know, the, the young, handsome guy that was in all those movies in the 60s. And then the 70s came around and, you know, wasn't really good for him. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he was glad to have the work, I'm sure. And, um, you know, he did okay as Space Cowboy. I mean, it was a stupid part. It was poorly written. And, you know, but he... You know, he did his, he did his job. And, you know, the rest of them, Civil Danning, you know. 
<laughs> you know, Sam Jaffe, hey, he was the best head on top of some miscellaneous, you know, Box. metal stuff. Uh, parts, head on top of a bunch of parts that uh, <laughs> that he could possibly be. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lizard Man. Lizard Man was great under his lizard costume. <laughs> and you had Jeff Corey in there as Zed. You didn't oh, even talk about Zed. I'm sorry. Because he did checks out Zed. like... Oh, maybe uh, while I was gone. It might have been. I, I did mention the blind warrior Zed, who um, yes. who who was in a Star Trek episode, who looked very much like he did in the Star Trek episode, uh, The Cloudminders, yeah. which was a terrible yeah. Star Trek episode, by the way, third season. Garbage. It was. It was but, awful. But, but he's but, awesome. you know, Jeff Corey, he, <laughs> and, you know, he checks out pretty early in the movie, so you don't want to yeah. give too much credit to him. I'm here but, on your again, mentor. I'd say I'm done. The, the, the actors did, you know, did what was required, you know, based on a fairly poor script. One thing I want to say about the script. Yes. Did you notice there's very little, you know, if you look at the movies that it is based on, right? Seven Samurai and uh, uh, Magnificent Seven. Yes. You know, you've got, those are ensemble movies. Right. The players, the 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 uh, the seven are together, and they're playing off each other, and everything else. In this movie, the actors spend very little time together. No, that's true. You know, there's like the one the one scene where they're they're all around the campfire or whatever, and that's about it. The rest of the time, they're all isolated, just doing their thing. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that that kind of, I think, you know, that, that kind of hurt the movie a little bit. Or maybe not. Uh, uh, In space, no but, one can uh, hear you collaborate. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, I gave the story a seven just because it's a, you know, I mean, it's basically the Magnificent Seven slash Seven Samurai in space. Poorly done. You know, poorly written. But as a story, you know, uh, uh, villagers need help, you know, hire mercenaries to come and save them from evil bandit leader. Well, you know, it's it's basically that. And uh, I gave it an eight as overall entertainment value because it is, with all of its faults, still an entertaining film. Hmm. Yay. Okay, and uh, Kenta, is it you or me next? I'll go next. Um, go ahead. All right, so uh, okay, sorry about that. Uh, production quality, I gave it a five. Um, you know, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, kudos to James Cameron for his work, but overall, I you know, I I didn't love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number. Uh, Two story, I gave it a four. I mean, I think that was being very nice. Uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, I mean, what where was what was the story? I mean, uh, it bored me to tears at at, at certain points, except for when. Uh, wait, let me make sure I say her name right. Came on yeah. the screen. I don't want to get ju- I don't want to get jumped. Uh, Sybil Danning came on the screen. Then uh, it did it did perk up for me. So. Um, I don't want to hear about you perking up. <laughs> yeah. 
That's funny. I didn't even think about it like that. Um, and uh, acting, I gave it a five. Uh, you know, everybody is. You know, they look. It looked like they were looking at their watch, saying, "When? How much? How many more days do I have on, on this?" Uh, so uh, I didn't think the acting was awesome, uh, except for a couple of characters were were cool. Um, and overall entertainment value, I gave it a six. Uh, and it's just, I think I might have liked it the least out of everybody. Uh, I would say that uh, for me, of all the movies we did this this uh, go around, this is in the bottom three. Uh, okay. Uh, it, it was, and but we did some good, pretty good movies though. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay, yeah. that's a strange use of the word, but okay. <laughs> we did. We did. We've had some good ones uh, on on there. The Warriors. Uh, we had, uh, of course, Westworld and Batman and all of this stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, but I would, I, I'm going to give it uh, six for overall entertainment value. Okay. All right. So uh, production value, um, the miniatures, you know, at the time were, were great. The, the effects were, you know, they even noted at the time these were good effects. <laughs> and these guys are going, this is a Roger Corman film with good effects. So that was saying a lot. Um, it's, I would give... Uh, the sets, some of them were a little thrown together, obviously. Um, the costumes, you know, I would give it a seven. Uh, and I'm being generous because I, it, it didn't at least take me out of everything. I'm looking at it and going, okay, yeah, this is, a, this is a space opera. I'm seeing the things I'm supposed to see. I'm seeing the bridge of the ship, and it looks like a bridge of a ship. I'm seeing all the blinking lights and all the things. I kind of actually like the steering wheel he had there with the kind of little, little thing. I, I thought that was okay. It's, it's like nobody else would do that. So I'm going, kudos to them for having the bravery to put that out as the, you know, the, the pop-up steering wheel that kind of he does his thing with. Um, the acting... Uh, I think the people who had the smaller roles and lesser roles put more into it than the people who were, you know, the top name stars. Um, with the exception of John Boy, John Boy was trying his hardest to be the oh gosh, jolly, golly gee kind of character and the wide eyed, and he was trying to be the Luke Skywalker he was trying to be. But uh, I would give it a six. Uh, Storyline, hey, been there, seen that. That's very familiar. Uh, but what did I expect? It's a Roger Corman film. I don't expect originality per se in the storyline. Um, so it's a five. But the overall entertainment value, I'm giving an eight uh, because it's bonkers. It's bonkers characters, bonkers storyline. Like, yes, it's a similar storyline, but it's done in such a bizarre way that it makes it interesting. If the space battles were better, and less boring, and that they didn't spend so much time on them, I would give it a higher value, maybe a 9, but because they are not, I mean, if you're wanting to see a space epic, and if that's what you want to see, you're not going to see it here. Um, this is the kind of, like, it's kind of like watching uh, the fight scenes in Batman Begins. It's kind of like a bunch of stuff cut together that makes no sense, but you know it's supposed to be a fight, so okay. And even then, I'm being generous with this one. Um, but yeah, so I'll say overall entertainment though is still an eight because well, Nestor, my favorite character, it is such a weird thing. And there's the the care the two little guys that speak in heat 
which is such a bizarre idea, which I think, oh, that is just so weird and bizarre. The idea of the whole ship of the bad guys is mutants that are carving up pieces of other creatures to put on themselves to keep themselves alive. It, just all interesting ideas that go nowhere, <laughs> but it still makes it for at least you, you can watch it and go, what the hell am I watching? I'm enjoying this, though. And so, yeah, an eight. See, the reason I talked this long was to give Kente enough time to add the numbers. Well, I'll, uh, I will introduce our... Oh, um, yes, of course. Awesome yeah, that's why I... Yeah, recipe. see? Trying and, to put it on me. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was probably my cue, and I just didn't catch it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Not enough coffee. Okay. So, to, so tonight, the, the, I have made these many times. I really love them. I... Remodified the recipe. Oh, wait, wait, say what with the segment. A little bit better. Hold on. Wait, oh, yeah. oh, for those oh, who are uninitiated. I'm so sorry. Like, wow. like Ken. <laughs> yes. This segment is called Movies Make the Meal. This is where I introduce recipes and dinner ideas that fit right along with our movie of the week. Sometimes they're, okay. yeah, sometimes, sometimes they're silly and hokey. Sometimes they taste really super delicious. Ming's, mm. never mind. I won't even go into that. Okay, <laughs> Ming. <laughs> yes, I was just going to mention. Film. I was going to mention the meatloaf again, and I thought, no, I better not do that. Ming's okay. meatloaf. First. Tonight, I I created uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, Planets and mm. Moons cookies. Okay, so this is just your standard sugar cookie recipe. They're delightful and super awesome. They're sweet. They're crunchy. They're shaped like all of our favorite props in the movie. They're simple, like the plot. They're fun to make and quickly devoured, like everything else in the movie as well. So, that's Do what I mean. Do shaped cookies, then? I, I neglected to put either the, uh, the breast shape or the ovary shape into this particular collection. But, Too by... Bad. Yes, if you would like to request a recipe from me, I would be happy to figure that out and send it off. Yes, I will definitely do that. We'll do the non-PG-13 rated version of this. No problem. I am here to cater to your desire. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a different topic altogether, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but it so fits, right? I mean, honestly. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, Sounds good. Okay, so uh, this episode of uh, Cinema de Fromage. Listen uh, to you. Oh my goodness, that's a very good accent. I, yeah, well, you know, I've been working on it. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> accent. Uh, so uh, this episode is uh, Cinema de Fromage Battle Beyond the Stars. Uh, this episode, this movie. Uh, is getting got a 96 uh points which is uh 60 percent on the cheese rating so it will not make the top two so our top two will be batman versus westworld um so uh it didn't get the 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 worst score which is the omega man uh, i still can't believe omega man's on the bottom then burnt, burnt <laughs> offerings and then this film so uh let, i guess i can go over the uh let's go over it from the bottom up uh so from from limburger to gouda <laughs> uh 
All right, so Omega Man finishes uh, with the worst score is 91, which is 56%. Uh, number two uh, from bottom up is, uh, I just said it. Um, burnt Offerings. Burnt Offerings. <laughs> which should have been on the bottom. Which is, got, which is 93. All right. Uh, and then um, uh, this film it got it is number three. With, That'll uh, be on the stars. It got to the bottom three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it, it just barely <laughs> lost out to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Uh, that makes me cry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were beaten by Roddy McDowell. That yeah. makes me cry and twice. Then, then it's uh, the Warriors next. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a lot of people are going to be angry. No, I'm sorry. It's Poseidon. Down that low. No, I'm sorry. Poseidon Adventure, then the Warriors. Okay. Sorry. Poseidon <laughs> okay. Adventure, then the Warriors. And then uh, we have uh, Return of the Living Dead. Yep. And then we have uh, Batman and then Westworld. Okay. So those are how it goes. So in two weeks on the 30th, Thursday the 30th, we'll have our debate show where we will mm-hmm. um, do it. So I, I think, um, I guess I'll be the moderator and I believe it it was going to be, uh, um, Jen is going to take Westworld, right? And then you take Batman, right? I am taking Batman. Absolutely. 100%. All right. And we're going to have like a guest uh, judges who will judge each round. And I'm going to come up with a. Uh, debate topics. I'll give it to you before, so you guys are gonna have like a time clock to de- yeah. get in your debate. And, it's gonna be. And you know what? I I'm so annoyed that uh, burnt offerings is above Omega Man. I really seriously <laughs> think we should take at least a couple of minutes to have the bottom two battle. <laughs> well, for you know, the I... absolute lowest spot because I Omega Man's getting a bad shake because it was the first film we did, so we were, was kind of like going, "Oh yeah, this is bad," so I should give it a lower. I really do think Burnt Offerings is worse, and I think we should <laughs> at least give those two films a chance to fight for the bottom spot. Well, you know what though, we're we're actually, I I was thinking we we should do this thing where we'll have categories that will nominate each one of us. For each movie, uh, we'll say it on you know like uh, worst movie of the year, um, most uh, <laughs> you know uh, most cheesiest you know stuff like that. Just come up with Boring. some stuff. Worst characters, worst actors. <laughs> right, and we'll it, we'll just we'll just throw out our nominees of which one do we you know what do we have as it before we do we'll do that before we get to the actual uh, debate. Okay, yeah, best chimney death scene. Ah, burn offerings. Ah, burn offerings. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that's better than Roddy McDowell falling into the smokestack in Poseidon Adventure and blowing I, I, up? Oh yeah, definitely. Wait, you oh. know what? Has Ken, Ken ever, have you ever seen this movie called Burn Offerings? Yes, I have. Oh, <laughs> there are a lot of people online who are saying it's a, oh, it's one of those forgotten films and it was really good. Honest to God, I saw this thing and I hated it. What What's your opinion on that, Ken? Uh, I don't dislike it. Yay! Um, I mean, you know, you got Oliver Reed. Uh, yeah, he does ham if it you up. You got Oliver Reed. There's, you know, there's point. Yeah, well, he's got the point for ramming his head into a brick wall and being yeah. raped by a tree and throwing himself out a window. Yeah. 
and, and yeah. drowning his kid. What's, the, yeah, what's your point? <laughs> but is that better than, than Charlton Heston attacking, you know, albinos in a post-apocalyptic world? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, Omega see, Man is a wonderful film yeah. as well. Yeah, you see, I love him. I, I can't picture Omega Man being below bird offerings because I hated it so much. <laughs> The and I is, don't hate Omega Man. The thing is, Burt Offerings didn't have classic racism and a lot of other stuff that Omega Man happily Burt Offerings to did have. not have the line Honky Paradise in it. And that, <laughs> that puts Omega yeah. Man over Burt Offerings. You know what? In honor of Jen, once a year I'm going to watch Burn Offerings. <laughs> Every, it'll oh, be my Burn oh, Offerings, Jen. It'll be, I'm going to call it uh, Jen Day, and where I'm going to get drunk as hell, and I don't even drink that much. I'm going to get drunk as hell, and I'm going to make, if I'm in a relationship, whoever I'm dating is going to be watching Burn Offerings with me. It'll probably be the end of the relationship, but we're going to yeah, I love it. Because <laughs> like, this You're is Jen Day. scary movie. Oh, I'm putting quotes in the air. Sorry, guys. Scary movie, burnt offerings. Every... Well, where's it going to go in the end? I don't know. You know what? When is your birthday, Jen? April 23rd. April 23rd. Every April 23rd, I will watch burnt offerings. Me and King Penvin will watch oh, burnt no. offerings. Oh, no, 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 no. Once was enough. <laughs> Once was enough. In honor of Jen, we'll do that until I die. Hey, okay. I respect Jen. I, I admire Jen, but I will not watch this film for her. I am sorry. I watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you too, right as it's getting to the credits. I'm gonna be like Jen. I, I, if it's the end credits, that's fine. You can call me. Oh, did you just finish watching it? Great. Kinte, Kinte, I think we should make this a yearly event between you and I, where we can just watch it on Skype there and. You know. And 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 let's just record our reactions to each and every little piece. I mean, okay, it would be so case, thrillingly will, entertaining. You know that's right. You know what? If that's the case, if we're doing that and recording, I will come on. Because there I we will go. Have a nice thing to say about any of the scenes. <laughs> oh, I'm going to put it on the calendar. Oh, look, look. I'm going to put it I on the calendar. drunk again. <laughs> I'm going to put it on the calendar. I'm going to make an event so I can. I won't forget. It's going to be Jen okay. Jen slash Burn Offering Day. Every what is it? April what? Uh, April twenty third. Every April twenty third is Jen slash uh, burn offering. Burn offering. I, I have to say I'm feeling really good about this. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> oh man! So uh, uh, season three, uh, we have a our list of movies that we're going to do for season three, uh, and we have to we have to change one of them out because as I said today. Um, I completely forgot, and this is my my error. Death Race two thousand has to be in next the next season. All right, we can do it as we can swap out what plan. So we has. either we either take out in Towering no Monk wants to do Towering Inferno, so we're gonna have to leave Towering Inferno. So I was thinking we had two disaster films. We had uh, Towering Inferno and uh, Airport seventy nine, the Concord. Okay, thank you. So we could take out the Concord, though it really deserves to be in there as because it'll probably fall right to the bottom of the list. But um, let's Much change like out. Plane. Yes, yeah. let's change out Concord for uh, Death Race Two Thousand. Right. As much as I hate to do it, oh, but we'll do it season four, time. season four will start with Airport Seventy Nine Concord. What year was Death Race Two Thousand? 
that was 73, I believe. And stars... Uh, uh, <laughs> Derek so now I gotta... and Sylvester Stallone are the top actors in that film. You know, right. I have never seen that movie. Ah, then you are in for a treat. All right, so the movies, uh, the movies for next year, uh, and this is in order. Uh, we have uh, Rollerball, nineteen seventy five, The Car, nineteen seventy seven, Casino Royale, nineteen sixty seven, Body Double, nineteen eighty four, The Towering Inferno, nineteen seventy four, Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy eight, uh, The New Edition, Death Race, two thousand, nineteen seventy three. Let's Scare Jessica to Death, 1971. Uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, 1982. Strange Brew, 1983. The Dead Zone, 1983. And the last one will be Plan 9 from Outer Space, 1959. Which will probably be the oldest film that we have on our list in all of the three seasons we've done. Yes. So we have to reach back further. But But I I was talking to Jen, though. I think for the following season after that, I want to really dig deep, deep in the crates with some real, just god awful, uh, corny movies that maybe very little people know about. So we'll have to do some real expert research. Oh, for that. I'm thinking Dementia Thirteen. I think is it Dementia Thirteen? Is that what it's called? Oh, what is that called? Yeah, oh, that's that, that's the one that uh, Coppola's on. Yeah. Adventure 13, 1963. So, With mystery science William theater Ken- podcast form. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go deep, deep doo doo. So, Oof. yeah, it's gonna be uh, stuff that uh, the people in it won't remember they were in it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I By was the in- way, uh, we have to break one of our rules because in season four, as far back and deep as we're gonna, go, if we're gonna go awful, we're gonna go cheesy. We have to have Battlefield Earth. Oh God! I, I'm sorry. Don't make I, me. I, I just, I'm sorry, guys, 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 guys. I just rage quit this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh jeez. You, you know what? I will watch Burn Offerings and say I watch Battlefield Earth. <laughs> you know what? Monk I, I, loves I that movie. You have to watch. Monk, you know what? Monk loves that movie. By the way, Battlefield Earth. Yeah, I oh, think he's it's, like... it's it's it is so unintentionally hilarious. I went to the theater at the time, and the, they actually have a couple of scenes they cut from the theater release onto the DVD release. Because I remember in the theater, I said, "Oh, they cut a couple of scenes. Interesting. They didn't think they were good enough, and they were awful for the DVD release." So yes, we we definitely have to have that film in there sometime. Yeah, that's that movie is the reason why I put in the nineteen ninety. I know you did. That's why <laughs> Cut off. we've got to have this film in there. Like, because it is not supposed to be any movie past nineteen ninety. So yeah. uh, that's why. But I uh, you know what? Uh, but that also takes out another great fun film, Bubba Hotep, which <laughs> is that has to, we have to see that one too. I don't know if you've seen Bubba Hotep. Have you? Mm-hmm. With Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Playing Elvis? No, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. Here's the premise. Bruce Campbell is Elvis with, uh, what's his name? Ozzy. Oh, my Uh gosh. Ozzy Davis. Ozzy Davis is playing the... uh, JFK. JFK, who's had his brain transplanted (laughs) to a black man. 
and they're in an old age home fighting a mummy, which sucks the souls out of people's butts. The fuck? Yeah. Wow. And yeah. You want and you want to keep that film from being reviewed because of a date? No way. We have to have that one in. We'll, we'll do a special. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, uh, it's probably Bruce Campbell's best acting. That says a lot. Because <laughs> he plays basically a post-death Elvis. So Elvis faked his death, and he's now in an old age home dying of cancer. And and it's it's amazing. It is such a bizarre and amazing film. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's made by the same guy who did the Phantasm movies. Yes. Oh, wow. In fact, I saw, the, I saw the film before it was finally released at a... Um, uh, Rue Morgue uh, event in Toronto, basically, right. they, and it was awesome because they, they said, here's this movie, we can't get it released, blah, 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 tell us what you thought. We watched the whole thing, and we just, we loved it. It was just so insane. It was a great movie, and it has, we have to do this. this I, I will give up Plan 9 just for that film, by the way. Oh, wow, you're so kind. Mm. Also, and I, you know, and I, I think I you'll guess. love it. I have, to, I have to fix something. I said earlier that Zach McGowan was in Death Race uh, 2050. That was Manow Bennett. Zach oh, McGowan. Same, same person. Zach, Zach McGowan. No, it's not the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same bite person, different tongue. name, uh, different pseudonym. No, bite your tongue. Because <laughs> um, Zach McGowan can come over to my house anytime. Manow Bennett. Yeah, no, not. No, no. <laughs> um, Oh, yeah. no, but, no, sorry, can't come into my house. No, Go sorry, no, not, not happening. Um, but Zach McGowan was in a Death Race movie, which apparently has gone straight to video, so it must be awesome, called Death Race 4 Beyond Anarchy. Yes, because they did try to revive Death Race in the early 2000s, and it was awful, because they well, did not keep the spirit of the original. This one apparently was done in 20, uh, 2018, it looks oh, like. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, so I don't know how often to it's gonna going to be, but yeah, there you go. Um, answer: Not awesome. Yeah. All right. So, Ken, how can people get you in social media? Uh, and um, are you doing anything on the web? Any radio stuff uh, or any writing that we need to be aware of? Writing, writing. I'm working on the new book, the one that has uh, a guy named Kinte as the villain. Awesome. Oh wow! I, I love it already. It's my favorite yeah. book. Is he really? Really? Oh. I mean, Kente Larson. I like cool. it. All right. Hey. When, when do I get into one of your books? Uh, do you want to be in one of my books, uh, King? Sure. sure <laughs> you can change the name around a bit. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just keep the, the same, you know, wonderful personality type. Ping We're ping. fine. Yeah, the same wonderful personality. <laughs> All right, yeah, do I don't know. I, I'm thinking. I'm trying to think if there are any other characters that I can that are unnamed at this moment. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'll check into it. The if I can get if, if I can get you in there, King, <laughs> I'll do that. All right, perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, and uh, later in the year we're gonna do our uh, in December. We always do our. <laughs> TMU reunion show, so that should be awesome too. So, yeah. Oh, can't wait. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be 
great. It's gonna be like uh, what was that movie with uh, Walter Matthau and um, and uh, old, old geezers? Yeah, they, what was that? What was the name of that? They, they had like a couple of them where they were like old yeah, guys. I can't remember. Yeah. Something old men. Yeah, uh, grumpy, grumpy old, old men. men. There you go. Grumpy old men. There, there we go. Yep. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Jen, how can people get you in social media, and what should we be on the lookout for? Uh, social media, you can get me on follow at Foxy. I can't even talk today. I'm I'm so excited about the burnt offerings thing. It's messing up my head. <laughs> yeah, I'm really I'm really upset about that too. <laughs> oh, I'm, watch! I'm about to put it on the calendar. <laughs> people can find me on Twitter at Following Bliss One. Uh, don't even bother to try to find me on Facebook. I hate Facebook. Um, also, I have two websites. One is criticallaughs.com with two L's. And the other is, of course, moviesmakethemeal.com, where you can find the recipes that we talk about on Cinema du Fromage and some other recipes as well that uh, are kind of all around our theme nights. So that's how nice. people can find me. I thought you were going to say you can find me outside of uh, Chris Hems with uh, Manor. <laughs> we don't talk about that. The police might be listening. I don't want to get arrested for stalking again. See, see, see mine, Sybil Danning. I have to go in the time machine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want her now. <laughs> uh, you could get me at Kente F on Twitter and go to the website, indyradio.org. Once again, that's indyradio.org. And you can find me on the ramp of the 410 and Dairy, where I'll be begging for change. <laughs> you can also send emails to kingpenguin at gmail.com if you have any questions or uh, requests for the show, uh, any comments. I, I would love to hear from people who are actually listening to this, so that would be cool. Oh, Even I if you want to say, hey, you guys suck and I hate you, I like hate mail too. Oh, so so send it. Someone uh, asked for uh, Last Dragon, uh, and what was it? Last Dragon, Friday Thirteenth Part Five. Uh, part Nightmare Five. Street, Which part one was two. Part Five? That's the one with. Um, uh, the oh, new... that's the one with the. That was after he was killed, and Final somebody Nightmare. else pretends to be no, Jason. No, New Beginnings or something like that. Yeah. Oh. But, but to me, though, the one would be either New York or Seven. The no, one with seven. the tele Definitely telekinetic seven. one. Those those would be the cinema du fromage. Actually, no, no. Seven is Jason Lives, is it not? No, seven, six. That's six. Seven is the okay. One, New I blood. would take six because it, they kill Horshack in the first five minutes. Of the film. <laughs> isn't that so, too far? Isn't that too far though for our for our no cutoff? No, that's no. in the eighties. No, uh, okay. the last Friday Thirteenth was uh, in the eighties. Was uh, Jason goes to Manhattan? So oh wow, or more like Jason Stiles is on a ship. And at the very end, he's in Manhattan. <laughs> so that's that's pretty. That, that should be the name of that one. But I would have uh, loved to see him just touring around. You know, here I am in front of the you know Empire State Building. Here I am in. You know, you he know, was Central in. Uh, he was in Ready Player One. Him and Freddie. Oh, oh God! Wow! <laughs> yeah, and they're both in oh, that's Jason right. versus Freddie. Uh, that's right. I, I saw them in the credits. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So you know, you, you saw that film. Yeah, I did. I, yeah, I saw it too. Yeah, I didn't. You I didn't gave think it was the that money good. for that. I didn't think it was that good. I have. I had. Well, I, Movie Pass worked then, 
<laughs> so when my movie pass don't was reward good. those people for making films like that by paying to see it i didn't pay i go to see anything done by steven spielberg because i oh, am just a steven spielberg what? junkie oh dear you know what though it's in one of those in-between phases though right don't, now where he's don't just shoot me out but i think it, i think his last good movie was like minority report and even then that was probably his, or maybe uh, War of the Worlds was okay up until like, the last third, but but um, Minority Report was probably his last really good movie. So 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 two thirds of a movie counts as a good movie? No, no, I no, I did not say that. <laughs> That's where you say no bad movie because only two thirds of it. No, was I mean okay. I it was I was all into it until it got to the part with uh, Tim Robbins, and then it was uh, like, oh. and then the ending, you know. was pretty terrible but yeah but we love steven spielberg here all right you guys we'll see you uh in two weeks all right well, battle royale bye-bye at essentia we are starting a movement we're looking for people who don't predict the future they create it they don't dream they dare to do Essentia is supercharged ionized alkaline water that powers your thirst for life and helps you do all the things that make you extraordinary. If you want to get the most out of life, join the movement and become part of the Essentia Nation.